This episode is sponsored by ScotCoin, Scotland's first and only digital currency. It's peer-to-peer, always available, providing users with low to no fees. This is a crypto with a difference operating in the ethical space. The organization responsible for ScotCoin is a community interest company. This means they are dedicated to promoting positive change and a fair Scotland. They incentivize and stimulate local trading initiatives, keep wealth locally and grow the Scottish economy, encourage and support local businesses and are an advocate for social enterprise and environmental causes. Just to name a few. More about the ethical crypto, head over Hello and welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa and I am Jennifer Rose. Together, we will be bringing you a weekly whiskey podcast where we'll be discovering drams, exploring distilleries, talking to industry experts and sharing other whiskey adventures. Not only will we be sticking our noses into our drams, but also into all things new and current in the whiskey universe, with a leading commentary, of course. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. In today's episode, we talk about our visits to Loch Lomond Distillery in Alexandria, which is pretty close to Glasgow. In fact, I actually worked beside there in Antarctic's village many moons ago in the early 90s, so it was a bit of a blast from the past going back. <laughs> I think I know what you mean, the place. Uh, it's still open, isn't it? Yeah, but you wouldn't think it was open. I don't mean yeah. to sound disrespectful, but it looked kind of like almost derelict from the outside. <laughs> I know, it did as well. Because I was saying to Gary, who kindly took me down, I was like, oh, you never believe it. I used to work there. And he's like, it's still open. I was like, no way. The stunning Loch Lomond is actually located very close to the distillery, yet not close enough to enjoy the views. And it is a bit of an industrial site, isn't it? Where you go to the yeah, distillery. It's, it's quite industrial, but as you say, you're so close to the yeah, beautiful landscape. Yeah, so landscapes. close so close but you just don't see much of it unfortunately and confusingly enough Loch Lomond distillery is actually a highland distillery as Loch Lomond crosses the highland boundary fault which is considered the boundary between the lowlands and the highlands that's pretty cool isn't it I didn't know that you know until this episode but Loch Lomond is probably Scotland's most versatile distillery in terms of the number of different styles of whiskey produced for different purposes on one site we will sample three of the distillery's core releases in this episode. But before we go any further, let's stick our noses into that latest whiskey news, people. Stick your nose in it. So one of our recent episodes, we had a guest from Waterford Distillery, Angelita, who is the terroir specialist. And she hinted something about a new release made with a rare barley variety from a bygone era. So the Hunter is part of an absolutely wonderful project. We have a few other ones that will be coming up in the next in the next year. So definitely be ones to be watching out for. The Hunter in particular, it is, which is the first release of, uh, of the Heritage, we are uncovering flavors that you wouldn't be able to access anymore because simply the grains are not grown anymore. So if you want to start to uncover forgotten flavors or things that we will never be able to to taste because it simply is not there. So well, it's now been released. The Heritage. 
hunter expression utilizes modern technology to identify historic flavors and bring them back to life for consumers of today. And the Pali variety, hunter, was named after pioneering plant breeder Dr. Herbert Herbert. <laughs> Dr. Herbert Hunter. It was introduced in 1959 and was, for almost two decades, noted for its distinctive flavor. However, until now, it had not been used in production since 1970s. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty impressive. It took more than eight years of leveraging lost breeding programs from the 1990s to discover the original flavors. Costing three times as much as regular barley, hunter seeds were upscaled from only 50 grams into enough barley to produce 50 barrels from the first harvest. The whiskey has been matured in a combination of first fill and virgin American oak, French oak, and Vindu natural casks. It is said to present notes of dry soil, lemon sherbet, red apple skin and chalk on the nose and flavors of orange cake dry savory spice cloves and wood char on the palate well that's interesting isn't it as you say we've had angelita on and had you know a bit of a hint that that was coming what do you think of the sound of that inca i think it sounds very interesting and it really goes well with waterford and what they are doing it's not really surprising that they are trying to even bring back old uh, grain varieties because they are focusing on the barley so much but yeah it sounds interesting and i'm sure there will be people like oh yeah it's another marketing gimmick blah blah yeah. but you know i quite like it i would be interested to try it for sure you know obviously it's hard to know <laughs> like you can compare it to the other whiskies i guess yeah. but yeah i think it sounds exciting and it's something new what i do like is the name dr herbert hunter it just sounds yeah. pretty cool <laughs> The tasting yeah. notes, I'm not loving the sound of the tasting notes, but similarly to you, I'd be keen to give it a go. Yeah, I see what you mean. It sounds a bit too like dry and... Yeah, chalk on the nose. Oh, yeah. wood on the palate. But anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure, like, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be right up many people's street and it might be my favourite whiskey yet, who knows? Alex Jones, who hosts a variety of far-right media productions promoting conspiracy theories, is launching his own whiskey. It's a Kentucky Street bourbon and will hit stores in coming weeks, although it will be mostly sold online at $60 and above. It is said to be bottled in Shelbyville, which is home to a few distillers, notably Bullet, Jephthah Creed and Rut and Strut Distillery. Oh, I think I sound a bit lispy when I say that, but Rut and Strut Distillery sounds pretty cool. <laughs> sounds which, a bit rock and roll, like I want to look does. it up now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, well, which does not appear to be currently active. Bullet, the largest of the three, is owned by Diageo. Jephthah Creed actually told Whiskey Raiders that they have nothing to do with it. I doubt Diageo would do anything for this guy either, but perhaps production has taken place elsewhere. Yeah, I don't think anyone would really come clean and say, yeah, we're supporting this crazy dude. Yeah, well, it's all, it sounds like, I'm super interested in this story, albeit a little bit confused. And I just think, what if the story itself's a conspiracy? Do you think it's just a big bluff? It could be, it could be, but I kind of weird, like, why? Yeah, why? The, earth, the earth's flat and, you know, 
<laughs> try my bourbon. <laughs> if he wants yeah. to get in touch, I'd be a wee bit intimidated. Yeah, it didn't seem like what I saw online. It didn't seem like too many people were that happy. Did you see the? Did you see the label on Twitter? Yeah, it looked pretty crappy, didn't it? Yeah. Like someone just printed it out on his own. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just all a ruse. I don't think it's going to happen. It could be. It's just like maybe attract, like maybe the guy just wanted more attraction to his page. Maybe. And look, even the Whiskey Sisters are talking about him. It worked. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, there's been some other um, new releases as well. The Dalmore has created two new vintages, 2003 Vintage and 2007. The 2003 bottling is bottled at 46.9% ABV and it is said to have aromas of Manuka honey, dark toffee and aged vanilla pots. The palette offers honey, maple syrup, spiced dark fruits finishing with english marmalade and sweet spice Hmm, very Mm. on the sweet side that one meanwhile the 2007 bottled at 46.5 percent abv expression is set to deliver notes of honey freshly baked brioche and iced ginger cake on the nose leading to orange blossom honey spices and mandarins on the palate both are available now globally just in time for christmas Exactly. (laughs) Inca, as you like the Glasgow distillery Tequila Cast Finished, will you be interested in trying the new Ian McLeod distiller Smokehead Isla Single Malt, which was also finished in Tequila Casks? Well, if you're you're offering, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) So the Smokehead Tequila Cask Terminado is said to offer flavours of smoke mixed with chewy meringue, fresh blood orange and barbecued pineapple. Tasting notes also include toffee, lime and peaches, leading to a long, sweet finish with heat. Bottled at 43% ABV, the Scotch whisky is available to purchase exclusively via Amazon and smokehead.com. That actually sounds, I love chewy meringue. It sounds really nice. Yeah, I went through a phase many years ago. I was partially addicted to chewy meringue. So (laughs) even though I'm slightly intimidated at the thought of being terminated via smoke, the, the tasting notes sound good. Whiskey Sisters! The first Loch Lomond distillery site dates back to 1814, but unfortunately there aren't many records and the closing date is unknown. The current site was founded in 1965 by Little Distilling Company Limited, and like many distilleries throughout their journey, Loch Lomond fell silent in 1984 but resumed production a few years later in 1987 when i was born such a good (laughs) year for music and movies i always say that it was an amazing year and littleville was the first and oldest licensed whiskey distillery in scotland um it got its license in 1772 but the lowland distillery closed in 1994 and the remaining site was destroyed by fire in 2004 Parts of the runes can actually still be seen on the way to the Loch Lomond Distillery. Did you see that when you went to your visit? Do you know, actually, no, I didn't actually. I was just thinking that. I didn't see the Oh, room. it was more like it's rather than being the distillery, it's the house where the tax guy used to live. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was too busy obsessing over Antarctic's village and getting flashbacks to wearing my big apron working in the coffee shop. <laughs> so today, Loch Lomond Crew, the owner of Loch Lomond Distillery and Campbelltown-based Glen Scotia, is bringing out the 
remaining bottles of Little Mill whiskey. And Michael Henry, the master blender, has a tough job in blending together the final few casks while safeguarding the Little Mill heritage and creating whiskies that are in line with the silent distillery style. And the reason why I'm mentioning the links to Little Distillery is because the unique distillation methods at Loch Lomond come from Little Mill, basically. Yeah. And Loch Lomond started their production using straight neck bot stills. Instead of the swan neck, um, the still has a straight neck with fixed rectifying blades. This type of still was created by Duncan Thomas at Little Mill Distillery in the 1950s. Actually, the t- this type of still is only ever been used in two distilleries, the Little Mill and Loch Lomond. The still is often confused with Lomond still, which was invented in 1955, so around the same time, by a chemical engineer, Alistair Cunningham, to make it easier to create several styles of spirit in one distillery. In Lomond still, the plates two or three can be controlled, rotated, and moved to different positions to mimic a longer or shorter swan neck. Uh, when in the straight neck that they use at uh, Loch Lomond, the plates, which they have 17, are fixed, so you can't move them around at all. And the latter is also taller and narrow. They're very cool to look at, aren't they? Yeah, it's just quite, just, yeah, a lot to take in, I think, when you do the tour there, just because there's so many little technical facts, I think. And so many differences from other distilleries. Yeah. At Loch Lomond, their straight neck pot stills can produce spirit up to 90% ABV, where a swan neck delivers at around 70% ABV. The range of alcohol strengths help in capturing different flavours throughout the distillation. Today, Loch Lomond has three pairs of straight neck pot stills, two traditional swan neck stills, one continuous malt still and two pairs of continuous green stills. Quite the operation. So their current annual capacity is 5 million litres for malt and 20 million litres for green. Some have compared Loch Lomond's methods to a Japanese style of distillation as they are bending the limits of the so-called traditional Scottish approach. For example, they produce whiskey from 100% malted barley using the continuous still, also known as the coffee still. And because of the SWA, that's the Scottish Whiskey Association regulations, it has to be called green whiskey. And how amazing was their on-site cooperage. Oh my God, that was, I was so excited. <laughs> like even now I'm like, oh, I don't even know what to say. It's just really cool to see it in person, isn't it? It's phenomenal. Like you're in the here and now present, but you're in like a time machine and the craftsmanship and the skill is mind-blowing. I know, and they make it look so easy. Yeah. But- I had the chance to meet up with the senior Cooper, Andy Moore, who showed me the step-by-step process of the recharring. And a lot of the work was still done by hand, although they still like they have some assistance now from this crazy machinery. But he, when he was turning the cask and moving it around and this heavy piece of wood, it, it just yeah. looked so easy. Like he's been doing it for so long. Absolutely. It's almost like he can dance with it, just him and the cask doing that fluid movement. Oh my God, yes. And I was lucky enough to to see the same with Andy when I was there and just felt like so lucky to be able to have 
that insight. So yes, Loch Lomond has its own on-site cooperage where they repair, build and char their casks of all sizes. There are only four distilleries in Scotland that have their own cooperage. The Loch Lomond cooperage has been in operation since 1994. It is such a skillful job, it actually takes a person four badass years to shadow a senior cooper before they are allowed to work on their own and to fully take on that title of cooper. At the distillery, they repair around 20,000 barrels a year and around the same number need recharring to revive the character of the wood before the refilling can take place. And if you want to check out our social media, we'll be posting some photographs and some videos and reels of this amazing process yeah so let's talk about the whiskies then we've been talking about all these stills so what do they do as jen mentioned previously the distillery produces single grain whiskey which is made using a continuous still but the grain used is actually 100% malted barley so it's basically the same stuff that you use for normal single malts but you know because they use this kind of still they are going to have to change it around a little bit so they are the only distillery in scotland to do this it is not called single malt because of the scots whiskey association again Mm -hmm. have regulated whiskey production in scotland to only allow single malt to be made using a pot still so it's called single grain instead i think that's a bit of a shame but it is as it is and i'm sure there's the reasons basically same thing but different type of still yeah but i think i guess if it's not regulated then it could just get really confusing and i guess it gives loch lomond a kind of unique product i do think it might be it's a little bit confusing for consumers yeah for sure. So Lot Lomond produces two types of single grain whiskey, peated and non-peated. And it is the only distiller in the world to make a peated single grain whiskey, which is pretty cool. And it's very nice, actually. Yeah. These are both bottled at delicious 46% ABV. The peat is mellow because of the still style, creates a pleasant um, yet sweet smokiness. And the use of both first and refill bourbon casks adds soft creaminess to the whiskey. And both come at very reasonable price points from 28 to 30 pounds. That's an ultra bargain. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Loch Lomond single malts are made using two different types of stills, the straight neck pot stills and the traditional swan neck pot stills. Obviously, these will both contribute to different flavours and levels of depth. Also, traditionally, the necks of malt stills are open, but at Loch Lomond, they have special distillation trays in the necks to allow greater contact with the cooling alcohol vapours. By using two types of stills, different cut points and peated and unpeated barley, the distillery is able um, to create nine different single malt styles. I'll skip the 12-year-olds as we feature them in a minute, but let's chat about some of the other ones we sampled at the distillery. The 14 is labelled as spiced apple and soft smoke and bottled at 46% ABV. It is distilled using only the straight neck stills and aged in three types of American oak before being finished in French limousine oak casks. Yeah, it was really nice. What did you think of it? Yeah, nice. In, in fairness, Inca, I'd had like so many gazillion new makes. <laughs> and by know. the time I got to that, I was tipsy. I, I'm just going to call it. <laughs> I and know. I, I was just in a glow of you. I was in euphoric state. I'd seen the cooperage. 
I loved it, but I can't tell you much about it. Oh my God, I love that you had the same experience because that was exactly <laughs> how I felt. I was like trying all the new makes from different stills. It was amazing. They're really nice and fruity. Yeah, by the time I had like all the, the grains, 12 year olds, <laughs> the 14, but like I did enjoy the, I thought the use of the French oak really yeah. make, there's some kind of elegance always about it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's just like mental because you think French and you know. But it was really nice. I really enjoyed the 14-year-old actually. The name is cute and alluring at the same time. We tried the Lohloman 18-year-old, which is also bottled at 46% ABV. And it, I found it quite nice. It had nice kind of oaky woody notes mixed with some fruity gooseberry and toffee apples. And the peat is well balanced and brings out the notes of dried tea and tobacco leaves. And yeah, it was definitely um, probably the most elegant of these. Although I did find the, the 14 also kind of... I don't, I don't know if I'd say elegant, but there was some sort of... Classy vibes? Yeah, definitely some kind of classy vibes there, yeah, for sure. There are also several other releases from the original to 21 and 13-year-old single casks. And not to forget, obviously, the special bottlings for the open. And basically, there are a lot, of, lot to discover from this distillery, just so many whiskeys. So yeah, they haven't won all these awards for nothing and the whiskeys are very good, yet still somehow underrated. That's kind of one of the reasons really that I wanted to really explore and understand what they do because occasionally you see something on on Instagram, but I think there's so much more to them. And there's so much going on. Why doesn't the world know all about Loch Lomond? Tell me this. I think there was something at one point their whiskies weren't as good or I've heard that they were a bit, you know, people couldn't really get it and maybe they weren't just as good and now they really just coming in yeah and they started to produce some really awesome stuff so people are finally noticing but maybe they still might have the idea of the previous production that they mm -hmm. think oh, mm -hmm. everyone give it a try so from from the lineup you can find great value bottlings as well so that's always a nice thing when you have good whiskey at the reasonable price point. And they yeah. also release the occasional single cast bottles, which are worth keeping an eye out for. Definitely. The only thing I found disappointing, really, was the added caramel coloring. And most of the whiskeys, especially with these 12-year-olds that we are sampling in a minute. Like, I can kind of understand that some of the key markets are in Asia and they kind of require the added color to increase the sales they kind of that's how they like their whiskey just all the look that kind of nice golden color but i personally like to see the original hues of the whiskey and the impact of the cask yes i was a bit surprised when gary told me that but i was again just i was too busy enjoying myself to ask much more about it and any reasons behind it so yeah, it's mainly just for the marketing and I guess because their sales, a big chunk of their sales come from markets outside of Scotland and mm -hmm. in certain Asian countries. So that's the reason, basically. Dram on fire. So today we have three very similar yet very different drams, all 12 years old and aged in the same trio of casks. Let's start with Perfectly Balanced, 46% ABV. That's quite a gallus name, isn't it? Like, yeah. 
<laughs> Perfectly balanced. Take that. I like it. It's kind of <laughs> cocksure. Made using both straight and swan neck stills and matured in three types of American oak casks, bourbon, refill and recharge. This is said to represent the distillery's signature style, which is basically orchard fruits, vanilla and mild smoke. Let's see if we can detect those. Okay, so yeah, let's see. Definitely sweet nose. Inka, let's talk about the colour first. Sorry to interrupt you there because we were talking about the added caramelly colour. Yeah, so basically I think all these whiskies are similar. Guess, yeah, so it's it's basically the kind of caramelly Caramelly like, honey colour, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. They're all the same. It's a nice colour, but I don't know. It just annoys me to look at them all and say, oh. They can't be the same. Obviously, they all had the same three casks, so maybe they would be quite similar. Would be anyway. similar anyway. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. The nose is quite sweet. I was thinking apple crumble, you know, made with oats and brown sugar and served with vanilla ice cream. There's definitely some sort of that you know chewy toffee, you know, that kind of one that sticks in your teeth when you chew it. And then after a while, I was getting fresh bread, you know, when it's still kind of warm mm -hmm. and you put loads and loads of butter sort oh. of butter on the top and it smelt like melts slightly on the on the bread yum don't be shy with the butter yeah so that's that's what i was getting and also like even more i was starting to get the melted butter like you know when sometimes you're cooking mm -hmm. something and you need to melt the butter in the in the pot and it has mm -hmm. quite strong smell mm -hmm. also in finland we sometimes some people eat porridge with just a knob, knob of uh, butter oh, butter on it yeah yeah so again it melts it's just like creates yes. that kind of yes and it's got quite a distinct smell actually melted butter hasn't it yeah yeah Oh, How I love you? those notes. Okay, I'm getting some different notes because I'm nosing it now as we're chatting and it's been in the glass a bit longer. On my initial nosing, I got a kind of blossom honey, that honey sweetness. I actually got a raspberry kind of syrup, you know, like a coolie that you'd maybe have with desserts. I also got grassy notes, like fresh grass. Mm. But, I, but I can absolutely get on board with your, like, you know, the toffee and vanilla ice cream. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I just stuck my nose in the glass as well. Oh, and I was thinking fresh raspberries, they can be super, super sweet as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. What did you get on the palate? Not as much, okay. I have to say. Uh, I thought it was quite spicy, oaky, mm -hmm. kind of like a drying oat biscuit. It wasn't as sweet at, like as you would expect from the nose. On the palate, I got like a crystallized ginger, mild spice, a ginger cake, but not strong ginger flavors, but that kind of like nice, soft ginger sponge and maybe barbecued fruit. That sounds a bit vague, but I couldn't quite pinpoint if it was like charred pineapple or anything like that, mm. but just kind of something slightly barbecued, but yet fruity. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of fruity sweetness in there. Like maybe, I don't know what it is, like a r really ripe pear or again, like, I don't know why I was thinking that agave, like I explained in previous yeah. episodes sometimes, that kind of really roasted agave that is kind of pineapple. Mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of like a roasted pineapple but maybe just something slightly different yeah no no no. that sounds good I found it slightly slightly ashy on the finish and kind of like bonfire embers like an an essence of sweetness but I'm not sure what but like a little bit kind of charred again and ashy yeah yeah definitely I think it does feel more ashy now like it, it was more oaky but now maybe that kind of burnt oak 
but it's not awfully smoky. It's just no. that kind of afterthought afterwards. Yes, it's there, but it's not slapping you in the face. Really, it's mainly more on the finish. Do you find it perfectly balanced? Uh, maybe the nose more than the, the palette. I quite like it. I find it kind of cute and accessible. Yeah, it's definitely cute and accessible. That's a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> so, okay, the next one is Inchmarin, which is another 12-year-old bottled at 46% ABV. And the distillation was made using only the straight neck pot still. And it was also aged in the same three styles of American oak. Inka, have you been to Inchmarin, the little island within Loch Lomond before? You can get a little boat out to it and there's a restaurant and all that. No, it's what? quite cute. Let's do that one time you're in Scotland. It's good fun. Yeah, sounds good. What did you get in the nose for this one in Inchmarin? Yeah, I think this one was much more like a really like ripe pear. It's quite sweet, but I was also getting like dried cumin. Oh, that's a bit of an exotic slash sophisticated <laughs> note. Yeah, but do you think there's something like once you get past the oaky sweet and the sweet fruit there's some sort of it's almost green yes well i'm being so aggressive in my yes there just i've got this sunny scottish morning but standing on wet grass yeah so there, i'm getting a definite kind of fresh greenness absolutely i would even go as far as like cannabis oh wow well i've actually written on the nose daisy chains did you make them when you were a little girl in finland oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh my know, god you know when you put your your <laughs> thumbnail through the daisy to make yeah. the daisy chain and it's and... kind of milky yeah i get that in the nose that's so true wow that's the one maybe that's the one i was trying to i knew that like I felt like I knew the smell, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. See, we're back in those childhood daisy chain memories now. And I also wow. get that sweetness of crunchy nut cornflakes, you know, that kind of like, you know. Oh my God, that's a really good one as well. Totally makes sense. Oh my God, I need to write this down. <laughs> we're vibing on our, yeah. on the nose. Oh, it was really funny because I did spend ages on this trying to figure out what is that? That's really <laughs> cool. Very unusual tasting note for sure. But yeah. I'm glad like, it makes sense. So on the palate, this was, yeah, definitely sweeter on the palate than the previous one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Must be the still. I was thinking like, you know, those vanilla puddings, kind of like a custody type of puddings made yeah. with real vanilla some really juicy pears. There's still this oak and I would say kind of nutmeggy dryness also. Very nice. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally hear you on all of those. I got a kind of tingling glow of ginger baking spice, a banana bread that's not banana-y, but that texture and consistency and that kind of mild natural sweetness, creaminess, like creamy chewed cashew nuts unsalted ones I know that <laughs> last time I said the salted ones but with the kind of salt light on. <laughs> but this time I was getting that creamy cashew on the palate mm, definitely it went down very easily for me actually yes yes I think on the palate I preferred this one oh, to the me, previous one me too by a country mile I've actually written on the finish blissfulness Cashew nut butter and oaky wood. I was loving the Inchmarin. See what this kind of unique still can just contribute to the yeah. whiskey. Yeah. So people should experiment and see and try. Give it a go. 
there's real alchemical potent, you know, like whiskey witchcraft going on at Loch Lomond, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my God, it was mind blowing. Trying to take notes. Yeah. I, I wrote a whole blog post about it and just like my mind was just yeah. and then I was having all the whiskey and I'm like oh my god how am I going to remember all this <laughs> totally I thought I'm glad Inca's also been because my mind is blown plus I don't retain things when I get excited but that's the thing like that's why I wanted to wait to us to do this episode till you've been because it's just so hard to explain yes if, really if you haven't been there like okay you can try to explain it um and like our listeners now if you are a bit confused about some of this stuff i do recommend that you go and have a look at my blog post at on the source again just because i put quite a lot of pictures there of the stills and the distillery so it will just give you all the visuals that you will need Definitely on the sauce again. Check it out. I did actually mention to Gary, oh, I don't think Inca's blog's out. And he went, Jen, yes, it is. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he was saying how you totally smashed it and you'd got all the salient points and great information. So, listeners, check out my pal's blog. I've not read it, but I will read it. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, I was on the way home from that visit, Inca. I was actually thinking I really understood why you wanted me to have gone as well before we did this episode because there is so much it's so it was such a unique distillery experience yeah exactly and kind of makes it easier to talk about it and just to understand the the flavors available really last one inchmon what's inchmon is it one of those islands as well and maybe as i don't even know Ah. So Inchmoan, 46% ABV, is the smoky peated expression distilled using both still styles and aged in the three styles of American oak. It is peated at 50 ppm. I'm just going to pour another wee bit here. Excuse any glogging yeah. noises. <laughs> I know, my suitcase was getting so heavy after that trip in Glasgow, so I only took tiny bits of <laughs> the <laughs> bottles, but just enough to sample again. So the, oh, there's no way I can remember all the taste notes from the visit. Indeed, good luck with that. So, okay, I was getting a lot of ripe stone fruits. I didn't want to write down peach because I felt like it was something else, maybe apricot yeah. or plum or something like that. Then it was definitely a bit more smokier than the, the previous uh, with some pulled pork served with fruity chutney. Oh, um, I love that. I want to come to your house for dinner. I think you have good combos. <laughs> um, dried plums, but like, you know, like big dried plums. But then when you put them in a sauce, um, my husband makes like a rabbit stew and things like that. So when it's cooked in something, like again, like a meat, That's but it's, nice. it's dried, but it's gone all like juicy and wet. <laughs> you guys sound really exotic i do like <laughs> i do like to hear and then also again it's bringing me to the melted butter so i was thinking really well toasted toast with butter that melts on top of it very nice gosh i was struggling a little bit on the nose with this one to be honest i expected i had had anticipated it to be a little more smoky on the nose than it was i was getting kind of orchard fruits you know, not really sure exactly which ones. And I've got baked apple, then I'd crossed it out because it wasn't quite that baked apple smell. Pear drops, you know, quite a strong, like boiled sweet flavour mm -hmm. of pear. And I also have written river water on the nose. Oh, in what sense? So, you know, you're at a body of water and it's kind of like, it's not got a, dis it's not got a strong smell, but you know you're at 
water because you've got a fresh vibe in your nose. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do know. I do know what you mean. I was just wondering how you would explain it. <laughs> do you know, like when you walk somewhere, like you might not even see the water source yet, but you know it's there. You know it's there. You feel the vibes. You can kind of like get the sort of fresh nature aromas. Thank you for joining me on that point, Enka. <laughs> yeah. 50 ppm is quite heavily peated, but because of the use of the straight neck still, it's much more fruitier, it's much softer. It really mellows the peatiness. And like, yeah. I think you get a little bit of the similar notes than you get on Inchmarin because of the, the still. Like it kind of makes sense when you dry them in this order. Definitely. And we haven't spoken about this before, but Inca, don't you think you could also taste the journey from the new makes right through? Yes, the final sure. expressions you could have, you could sort of sense it was part of that same family. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I quite like noticing this, and definitely, it's. I think now it's been in my glass for a little bit. It it is sweeter, but I'm still getting that toast and butter. I maybe even more so. Nice, but on the palate, there was subtle spiciness, mm -hmm. a bit more of the smoke. I was thinking juicy, juicy ripe mango. At some point, I was. Getting something that reminded me of almost like fresh paint, like on the finish, you know, but like, I don't mean it in a bad way, you know, like mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. like fresh painted, maybe a fence or something can smell oh, quite nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got you. Oh, interesting. When I went in for the first sip, I really got the kind of charred sense of charredness even before I tasted it. So I've got a kind of char grill smokiness on the palate a creamy kind of you know like creamy smoky cheese you know that little cheese that kind of looks like a sausage shape oh my god yes yes i can get the smoky cheese amazing <laughs> i love cheese <laughs> and like baked autumnally kind of orchard fruits on the palate so yeah yeah i love that autumn autumnal uh orchard fruits and smoked cheese creamy because the smoked cheese is normally quite creamy as well isn't it yeah yeah definitely creamy smoky cheese nice yeah i like those on the finish i got a little bit well i've written when i tasted it earlier drying and ashy but i'm finding it less drying now and i'm finding a fall through of that creaminess and I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think definitely more creamy, more sweeter on the finish when it's been in the glass for a while. Definitely. Very nice. Calling it a peaty whiskey, it's not really that peaty. For pe the peat curious like me, dive on into the Inchmoan. Don't be frightened. It will not slap you about and it will take you on a beautiful journey. Exactly. And all these three bottles are priced around £45 which is honestly bargain such a bargain it tastes pricier than that but yeah brilliant price point thing i also saw on um some of these websites are doing little packages of all three like a miniatures of all three. Oh my god if you're new to loch lomond distillery get get that pack and try them all side by side and just discover the similarities and the differences and just like the all these flavors Definitely. I think it's really interesting to try them all together. I think that's a really good shout, Inca. So what's your winner out of these three bad boys? The last one, Inchmon. Oh, very nice. I am Inchmurrin because it gave me that blissful vibe, but Inchmon's a close second and perfectly balanced. Do you know what? It's not too shabby a third altogether. I enjoyed it as well. 
Yeah, I would say inch more and inch more in and then perfectly balanced. But the perfectly balanced does feel a little bit more entry level whiskey to a really like a whiskey newbie. Yeah. I think the other ones maybe have a little bit more layers and just a bit more to discover. For sure. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. As we mentioned the cooperage earlier, maybe you could explain why casks are toasted and charred in the first place. Oak contains a lot of flavour compounds, but none of it would be absorbed into the maturing spirit if the cask wasn't first toasted. In addition, the level of toast will increase specific flavours. A gentle toast will add some nuttiness like vanilla and sweet notes, while heavier toast will contribute to more caramel toffee notes. So all casks are toasted, whether it is for wine or sherry or whiskey production. And when it comes to bourbon, the process continues with charring, which is one of the legal requirements for that style of whiskey. Charring does a number of things. It helps to further break down the structure of the oak, allowing easier and deeper penetration by the spirit and a more intense interaction with the flavors. And the cracks produce in the surface also increase the surface area available to the spirit so it will go deeper into the pores Mm. charcoal layer also acts as a filtration system helping to remove any unwanted flavors from the new make spirit and charring also increases the level of vanillin cacao like flavors and spiciness completely fascinating totally yeah also that rechanning we experience at the distillery will give more years for a already used barrel. They scrape the inside of the cask before recharring it. So it's amazing. It's like super environmentally friendly or sustainability friendly. Yeah, of course, like this, you know, X number of years, I guess what you get from a barrel, but it was really nice. Like it was really interesting to see at the Loch Lomond how they used the machine to scrape all the inside. Yeah. And then like how he did the toasting with the big flame. This episode was sponsored by Scotcoin. Scotland's first and only digital currency. To see how you can get involved, head over to their website, scotcoin.com or go to their Instagram at scotcoin underscore official. You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. So thanks for listening. Please make sure to subscribe on your chosen podcast channel. And if you like what you hear, please feel free to recommend our wee podcast to all your friends or at least few of them. <laughs> yes, indeed. Please subscribe because that is super important and helps other people find us in a notion of podcasts. Next week, we will be talking about all things bourbon, rye and Tennessee whiskey. As we explain the difference between these categories, we are also sampling a rye whiskey. Oh, it makes me think of the Chris Stapleton song about Tennessee whiskey. Do you like Chris Stapleton or any country music, Inca? Uh, it's not something I listen all the time, but if I hear certain songs, I might be kind of... Smooth you know. like Tennessee whiskey. I'll send you that song. <laughs> oh, I love all that. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at whiskeysisters, and Facebook at whiskeysisterspodcast. Cool beans. See you next time, Jennifer. And a wild crocodile. (laughs) Yeah. May your glass be full and your dram on fire.